All right. All right. Well, hey, welcome to the book talk. It is Shania and Caitlin and Tony. And for this fabulous and wonderful February, aka Black History Month, this book we have decided to read is The Vanishing Half, and it is by author Britt Bennett. <laughs> I'm I'm so excited to read this just because I feel like it has been all over the, I mean my book talk I don't know about y'all's book talk so I'm <laughs> I'm so excited me too Tony's a part of a secret society book talk no nobody <laughs> my book talk I feel like I've seen this in a lot of like commercials for books yeah, I I just see the cover art in like the background of some yeah. books, and I, I'm pretty I, sure it was on Goodreads, like yeah, as it, a a number one. Yeah, it like won a Goodreads award. I also uh, watch a bunch of like booktube book YouTubers, and they all rave about this book. So I can't wait to be part of the. We are right in line with the masses. Go us! <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. Um, as I said, it was written by Miss Britt Bennett, who was raised in Southern California, and she attended Stanford University, so <sighs> she's smart. <laughs> um, and she was actually inspired by her mom's stories of being raised in the South. She was born in Louisiana, um, which I'm sure she had some crazy stories for sure um and i read this article where like brit talks about um i guess where she got the inspiration from the book and she said that her mom brought it up the way parents often do like it's something everybody knew that there were towns where people would intermarry so that their children would get lighter with each generation bennett recalls and i was like wait go back to that so yeah it's kind of um inspired by her mom so this is this is real life like this is not all fiction Mm -hmm. yeah i'm (laughs) sure and especially the subject matter like i know i feel like it's anybody can relate to it um even though it's like written in the it's like the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and 80s so um yeah and fun fact, HBO owns the rights to this book, and Britt Bennett is, like, an executive producer, so we might see it in a little TV series or movie or limited series, I don't know, on HBO. I just hope that Sam Levinson is not, is not directing. <laughs> it's a ray. It's a ray. So, so I already have my dream cast. <laughs> all I know, all I know is, I don't know. All I know, all we know is that Issa Rae needs to write, executive, produce, direct, co-produce. I mean, we can't take it away from the girl. Be in, in some capacity, in this, and I'll be very mad if 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 not. Um, but yeah let's see and it might sound a little familiar like the 
subject matter if anybody has taken do people read this book in high school i t- i read the book um in african-american literature african-american literature with dr a yeah the I best one of you and g's finest one of you and g's finest professors like <laughs> he really can he just brings books to life in oh, sure. the best way i'm so jealous my my friend's like all took I mean obviously y'all are my friends <laughs> and then my other friends too they also took it I never I never had to take I only had to take like one literature class but yeah maybe you read in high school um and maybe you read in college if you took African-American lit so it sounds a lot like Passing by Nella Larson this and it's recently been adapted into a Netflix movie yes. and it really yeah mm-hmm. Tessa Thompson's in it, um, which is interesting. But it's also black and white. Which yeah, is, which is it? It throws you off, but yeah. Um, I don't know why they did that. Anyways, it was actually written all the way back in the 1920s, which is like crazy to think about a book written like is that a hundred years ago? Yeah, yeah, a hundred years ago is still influencing books like that's just crazy to me what does that say about us as a society are we like moving past things probably not (laughs) anyways um and i mean go ahead brit's book is only set like 40 years so there could be like arguably mallard could have been established like mallard is just another location for where passing was happening. You could say that. Like, they could have been on the same timeline, even. So, passing, in a nutshell, is basically about two two women who grew up together, and then they find each other again later in life in, like, Harlem, New York. Um, Except one of them passes as white, and the other woman is still... very much tied to her black roots and it explores differences in their lifestyle and touches on themes like class sexuality and motherhood i have heard and reading the book i agree that there's a lot of like i guess like sexual tension (laughs) yes that was definitely a discussion we had like some undercover like some uh, homoeroticism yes so it yeah I don't I just remember I really liked the book but the la- like the ending just took me by surprise like I kind of had I listened to the audiobook and I had to like rewind it a little bit because I was like wait what but I haven't watched the movie have you has anybody watched the movie? I watched the mm-hmm. movie just because I was so excited about it um yeah. but then it kind of disappointed me because of course you don't get the background thoughts and so yeah. you're just watching this random movie and it seems it seems pointless. If you didn't read the book, you wouldn't yeah. get the act, the background of what each character was thinking at the time. So the whole movie's kind of just like, okay, like, is she just jealous of the other woman? And like, yeah, you know, like, what is, you know, that one woman just seems crabby for no reason. And then the other one's just like, so annoying. So yeah, I don't think the, the movie did it real justice. But that's just me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we also had Affler back to I know to push us along alive. <laughs> I think I, I wrote my final paper on that book for that class oh. got well, an A you are okay. <laughs> big brain um, and another really big 
influence on the book was I feel like this book is I one of like the most important pieces of black literature out there. Their eyes were watching God uh, by Zora Neale Hurston. Um, this book will be referenced, I feel like, in any capacity, any single time you read any book. Um, I love this book personally. I'm very passionate about it. So I'm going to try to keep this. I'm going to try to keep it the Sparks Notes version. Basically, Jenny Crawford mysteriously returns to this town in like South Florida called Eatonville. Everybody's trying to figure out why because everybody's nosy. And basically, we see Janie grow through these three marriages that she has, and they each have like different relationship dynamics. So it basically, Miss Hurston herself takes us on a quest for identity and on her journey of love, happiness, sorrow, and then ultimately peace. Um, and it definitely explores a lot of similar themes. Um, as the vanishing half, like, you know, female liberation, race, gender roles. Um, but specifically, the difference within the Black community, because as Janie goes through these three marriages and three different towns, um, you just really see how different, you know, she's also light-skinned because her um, mom was raped by... She was a slave and she was raped by her master. So she's very light-skinned and compared to like everybody else um, in the South. So, um, But then you also have to think, like, in all these books, that's how it came to be. Exactly. So it's like, that's like, the origin of it all. And it's kind of, like, really depressing seeing how, uh, I don't, you know, just how colorism is, like, has this toll because <laughs> I'm like y'all realize why we have differences in exactly color. and it's like because... and it's rooted in violence and but yeah. people are like oh yeah because this happened to my ancestor I'm now better than you yeah. because my ancestor was violated now I'm better than you um and basically their eyes were watching God ends with Janie having like a little self-actualization Marslow's hierarchy of needs moment um and just hope for her own future and um one of my favorite quotes from their eyes are watching god was everybody's has two things two things everybody's got to do for themselves they got to go to god and they got to find out about living for themselves which i hope the characters in our book do so that's kind of a little just facts, you know. It's Black History Month. Here's a little background. Little, little background. Okay. <laughs> we can't have radio silence. Ah, talk, talk, talk. Okay. <laughs> but thank you so much. Um, yeah. That was just a thorough yeah, list. I, I was trying to kind of like steer to like the characters in our book does anybody want to talk about our how are we gonna segue segue yeah do you want to hit that uh caitlin me yeah yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> why am i acting like this is our first episode i feel like we can't see <laughs> so, 
I know for everybody listening, we usually do this on teams, and then we like, I don't know, Shania does some booty magic, and now we can't see each other. <laughs> and so, like, if y'all don't interject me, I will talk the entire time because the silence literally kills me. So, yes, guys, I tried to update our. I'm trying to like work on our audio here, and it's really tripping us up that we cannot see each other because normally yeah. it'd be like, oh, she's about to speak, so like, let me not say anything, right. or you know, I don't know. Looking at each other is some. That must be some psychology, right, Tony? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if we like, you know, finally get to fifty listens and we can monetize, we can. I'll quit our day jobs and become full-time podcasters with a huge uh, studio. One can, that would be a dream. And who's mom's basement? Who's got a basement that we could sit on <laughs> and yell be, our thoughts? I'm about to be homeless. Oh, my. Um, oh, that's a talk for another time. <laughs> um, if you're listening, please donate to Sister Caitlin. <laughs> you give us the sports notes. What, what's happening? Wait, aren't y'all remodeling? Oh, yeah, aren't yeah. you moving to Hammer- Habersham? Yeah, but our house sold, and so the other house is in the middle of being remodeled, and so it's awkward. Did your aunt? They're like in between phase right now. Okay. Mm. Wow. Okay. But anyway, if anybody has a home for Caitlin? She would really appreciate it. <laughs> She's really sweet, and she'll make you coffee. And she knows how to do chemistry. (laughs) The selling points for Caitlin. (laughs) Nice coffee chemistry. (laughs) Oh, Lord. All right, let's get into these characters. Characters. (laughs) Well, okay, the first, the main characters. Well, I don't know, not really the main, just like the focus is Stella and Desiree, the twins. Um, do we want to, like, describe them here? We can do a little description. Okay. Yeah. Well, Stella, she's the more, I don't really want to say reserved, but she's more reserved with her thoughts in a way. Like, she keeps herself and is very, like, planned and organized. And Desiree, she's the more, like, spontaneous and... Um, Stella's my type of woman. She moves in silence. And yeah, she just Desiree's does what very... she needs to do. Yeah. I want to be Stella, but I am very much Desiree. <laughs> like, very much Desiree. <laughs> but early, he um, emerged in part one. He is a... Um, he hunts people, not like in a like serial killer way, just like a Bounty hunter. Yeah, type. bounty hunter. P.I. He's a P.I. <laughs> oh my god, like that, um, anybody watch How to Get Away, How to Get Away with Murder and Frank? He's like Frank. I've never seen I haven't. <gasps> you guys have never, you guys have never seen How to Get Away with Murder. No, no, and I feel like I spent all last year saying I was gonna watch it after I watched Scandal, but I never got around to it. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna just let this slide. <laughs> I'm gonna put my two weeks in though because y'all have never watched. My brain, my brain just hasn't. Like, I just don't know if I'm ready to go through the drama. Those shows can be so exhausting. Oh my god! At one point of my life, I was literally watching Grey's Anatomy, 
scandal and how to get away <laughs> all like oh Tony, my gosh, you know you don't know any piece tony i don't know any piece and I, this was like in high school like <laughs> I, don't even know, I don't know like should i have been watching that no but did i yes every thursday and everybody knows what i'm talking about and you know they come on one after the other no they did it was literally called on abc show. like what was that night called i used shonda to go to bed yeah shonda thursdays shonda getting that check mm-hmm. land. that's what it's called yes shonda land yes that's what they like coined it yeah. Um, All right. Then we have Jude and Sam. They're Desiree's Jude family. Daughter. Wait, no. Desiree Sam is Desiree's husband. Abusive. Would you say is that what they called estranged? Yeah, because they're not when the you run a- when you run away from your husband. Yeah. There we go. Sam is. Desiree's estranged husband, and they have a daughter together. Her name is Jude. Jude. Which is so cutie. I really like that. Mm-hmm. We have Adele, who is Stella and Desiree's mom, and then Leon, who is their dad. Who is Lou? I forgot about Lou. Is he the owner of something? Is Lou's the, like the owner of the diner? Yeah, yeah, he was the one that saw Desiree when she first came back okay. and like told everybody. Everything kind of like happens at that diner, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where Desiree starts working. Mm-hmm. And then we have Alphonse de Sur. I don't know how to say his name. <laughs> who is Stella and Desiree's great, great, great grandfather, who actually funded founded this town um he married someone who was like lighter skinned than him and then um miss bennett writes he imagined his children's children's children lighter still like a cup of coffee steadily diluted with cream each generation lighter than before which fun fact um i just find it so funny that she compared um like skin tone to coffee because I worked at Einstein's <laughs> um, in college. Whoop whoop. And one time this like old couple came in and they ordered like a coffee and we asked them if they wanted any cream and sugar and they were like, yeah, make it look like her skin color. And they put <gasps> Tony, where was I? What? what? Clocked out. You were clocked out. Oh my gosh. Delonica is wild. So when I read that, I was just kind of like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) So, yeah. Anyways. Or also how, like, all of the... I also think it's funny because... Not funny, interesting. Because you know how all of the, like, are like... Oh, wow. It's like mocha, caramel, truffle. Mm -hmm. None of them are called truffle. But it's like... White chocolate. So I just think that I don't know what inspired Miss Bennett, but um, that just reminded me of stuff in my own personal life that. So. And then, okay, so those are all the characters. Um, and then essentially the town of Mallard is it's located hypothetically in Louisiana 
but mm-hmm. it's so small that you can't see it on a map. It's you could say it's like a township almost mm-hmm. where it's not on the map, it's not official town, but like you know, you enter and leave it and they have their own thing going on. Um and so the main the biggest theme of part 1 which is called the lost twins um it that takes the story begins essentially in 1968 and everyone in this town of Mallard is essentially obsessed with their whiteness so the town is very inclusive and you know there's Mallard um i think they one of the the Brit describes them as mallard boys who, you know, they're white, they're light skinned and they'll pull, pull your pigtails and, you know, just annoying, entitled little boys, mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. they're like um, Desiree described them like nothing's exciting about the boy that you're supposed to like. And those were the guys she was supposed mm-hmm. to be with. Mm-hmm. But little Miss Desiree. You know, she always liked the yeah. dark, the darker persuasion because early is more close in skin tone with, like, you could say her daughter Jude, and that's the person that she first fell in love with. Mm-hmm. And um, and so even that was kind of something like her mom didn't approve of it. Her mom was like, "Stay away from that dark boy. Like, mm-hmm. he's no good for you." Um, and nothing changes because even when she leaves the town as a teenager, comes back with her daughter and everyone is looking at her child like, oh my gosh, she went off and married the darkest man she can find and have that child. Literally like first line, two lines of the book, we like can immediately get a sense of how Mallard just is like the dynamics of their town um yeah with someone which i think is lou she's also ass um they spot desiree returning um with jude and jude is described at like black as tar blue black like she float like she flew directly from africa Mm -hmm. so immediately you just see how looked down upon and she's a child yeah, she's a, yeah, like a six-year-old, y'all. <laughs> um, how just, like, the, like immediately a town, this town is just very particular. I, not even particular, but just very... They're colorist. Colorist, there we go. Um, and, but they're still, it's just kind of like, but they're not, they don't have the privilege of being white though which I think is very like an, an, another interesting dynamic is because take Desiree and Stella out of a town like Mallard which they do go out they go to New Orleans they're not really considered like I don't know it's just a lot of intricate like they're not really considered white people they're black but then like black yeah don't it's really- like it's because they teeter on the fence to where it's like it's I think it's it's all rooted in this the their you know their mm-hmm. their proximity to whiteness where they can pass and so they're more accepted. Like if two black people like Desiree and Early were to go into a restaurant, people would be more inclined to speak to Desiree because she like if it was a white server, he'd like want to speak to her more because he looks she looks more mm-hmm. like him. Mm-hmm. 
the human brain just can't handle ambiguity and just like has this drive to to categorize everything categorize and group like things together so Mm -hmm. um it's just but it's still i don't know it's still very interesting dynamics and they'll never escape it or they could we should ask stella how that's going for her (laughs) so that's the attitude in part one and the town is just have deeply rooted in that and i desiree looking back on like having read that part Mm-hmm. I realized that Desiree wanted to always get away from that. Mm-hmm. Like she wanted to leave and to get out of the mindset of the town of Mallard. Mm-hmm. And she, yeah. I feel like I feel like she gave it her, even though she was, you know, she could say she's irresponsible and a bit careless when they do leave eventually. But at the heart, she knew that she didn't want to be with people who thought that way small-minded people yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that was like her reason for leaving and that brings us into the next topic of just female liberation yeah so uh, like i guess like the biggest or the most quote-unquote obvious is like stella and desiree moving away from mallard and like you know not being near their mom or not being in this town where they're kind of like Almost like praised, almost because you know, like their grandfather, great, 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 great grandfather, um, founded the town, so they're, I guess, pretty important. Um, but also just moving away from that, I would say, toxic place. Um, but they also kind of embark on a quest. They're all going through, each of them going through, like they're, like they're in the they're doing the same thing like they're both moving away but they all I feel like both of them process out very differently and it kind of manifested in like different ways like it manifested with Stella just wanting to be completely free of I would not Mallard slash race because she kind of decided to pass over to the white side maybe path of least resistance but it maybe wasn't the least resistant for her because that must be really hard keeping that secret almost um and then we also see desiree wanting to i guess i don't know i want to i don't want to say like embracing her black roots because i don't really think that's it but just think like you know she's not white so like you know finding somebody that she loves and they just happen to be dark-skinned um and all of them just searching for identity and purpose mm-hmm. yeah I feel like when we can even we can even compare this this is a perfect way the two paths that these women take are exactly what is mirrored in passing because one chooses to you know own her blackness mm-hmm. and just to be like, yeah, I'm a black woman. I'm gonna ha- marry a black man, and we're gonna have black children and blacky black black. And then, also for our listeners, I am black, so <laughs> I should just say that. <laughs> I don't want anyone giving us hate on the internet. <laughs> but, 
But, like, she's chosen to just fully embrace, like, I am Black, even though I might not look Black traditionally, in a sense. But who is I might not be as melanated as other people. Who was making up these, like, oh, if, you know, I guess for our listeners, I'm Hispanic, but my skin is, I guess, darker to me, I don't think is dark, but I guess to the world, <laughs> my skin is a little, I'm a little brown, you know? Um, so, and also, like, you're Colombian, so, like, regionally as well. Yeah. You can consider so that. I'm definitely like South American. I definitely don't look like Shakira, y'all. <laughs> I was left in the oven a little too long. I um, need to look like Shakira. Um, so, oh, yeah, like, who made up, like, oh, I guess in my case, like, all Colombian people have to look like, you know, light-skinned, long hair. So, like, it all just goes back to, I feel like in every, so we all know that there's, like, the European standard of beauty, right? Yeah. And that's publicly accepted. And then I feel like in some time... You know, the same people who picked the European standard went through every race and kind of picked out, okay, okay, you're pretty, you know, then it became like, oh, you're pretty for Hispanic. And then all beautiful. And then, oh, you're pretty for an Asian. So now all Asian girls have to look like this to be beautiful. And then, oh, you're pretty for a black girl. So all the black girls you see have to look like this to be beautiful. And And then, and like the rest of us have to like fight and try to make it and overcome because of the powers that be decided oh this is oh this is beautiful like this will do yeah like you're not white but you'll pass you'll be good like we we think you're cute yeah so they're definitely Stella and Desiree are definitely when they left Mallard they each are going through that liberation I guess is it liberation maybe not because they're not really being liberated by anything but they're able to explore and do stuff they would never be able to do if they were in Mallard so Desiree moved to DC um after Stella oh yeah Stella literally like ghosted Desiree (laughs) like ghosted her <laughs> so hard. Like one day, Stella just left. Poor little Desiree was left to just and her. left no trace. Early couldn't even find her. I know. I just want to know, like, how she did it because that must not be easy. Like leaving. How? I don't know how she keeps secrets. Yeah. I wonder what secrets they are. Hmm. I can't wait to learn. <laughs> um. So yeah, Desiree moved to DC, um, met Sam, you know, Sam, Desiree, babe, this is why you can't fall for the first guy who shows you a little TLC. (laughs) Because, you know, she met Sam, he was well-educated, and he had his own little charming, he was charming, and all this stuff, and they ended up having Miss Jude together. Um, and, and then he beat her. 
Yeah. And was calling her uppity yellow bitch, crazy as your sister, um, off thinking you're white, which eventually drove her to up and leave him. And she's back in Mallard, which honestly, like, I feel I understand Desiree because like I, too, would want to go back to my mom (laughs) if that happened. (laughs) Oh, for sure. (laughs) Like, I would not like I would definitely go back home even if i hated home i would just want to be with my mom i mean if someone's beating your daylights out i feel like anything's better than that yeah and she all... thought she was gonna kill her and like you can't like a woman being in an abusive situation like you have to show your daughter like no it's not okay yeah don't stay so it becomes yeah. it doesn't it's not about you anymore like you literally have someone else it's something that's looking at you yeah um and i just think it's so funny i think that sam being he's got that like he's got that i don't know just being you because it's funny because like it's not none of this is funny i don't know why people always say it's funny but (laughs) early is dark skin desiree was attracted to him so clearly she has a type but i think the difference is early understood her background and genuinely just cared about her where you could arguably say that sam just saw desiree at something that would look nice on his arm Mm -hmm. but he had some type of like hatred towards her and who she was and also who what she represented because cl- you can clearly see that there's some white in her mm-hmm. and that could have been some type of hatred mm-hmm. towards her and like because when you see oh you think you're better than us oh you're uppity yellow like what yeah like and those I- are all like that's not like oh you didn't wash the dishes or you didn't make dinner that's like like all physical insults that's some nate behavior yeah yeah just some crazy ass behavior so insecure like what you could also just like early grew up in mallard so he unfortunately knows what it's like in that godforsaken town but sam is from the projects of cleveland where you know he was in the minority of them there (laughs) um it's just like that town is more i would imagine like more cohesive than a town like mallard where it's like the colorism in that town um but i think sam said something to to desiree along the lines of like oh only like Desiree saying she hates Mallard and then um, Sam was saying how much he loves his hometown and then said to Desiree like white people are the only ones that have that privilege of hating their hometown Um, which is really interesting that he said that because just considering like what Stella did that it's like oh like she could hate her hometown and it'll be fine but it's also just shows how like um, minorities 
only they only have like certain safe spaces you know like they can't hate their hometown because everybody there kind of looks like them that's where they grew up and that's where they're comfortable being and like you don't know where else you're gonna find that if you move outside of that like it's kind of like a very big risk you know see and that's that also goes towards like the issue like the girls the twins know everyone in that town knows because of their skin tone and like that was the founder's intention every generation is going to become wider and wider and wider until they can fully and shamelessly identify as white so for them the whole world is essentially open because from the outside it's just like oh okay just another white person passing on the street to where mm-hmm. for sam like he's there's no escaping his identity mm-hmm and I ship early. I honestly, I mean, I ship early, early in Desiree so much. Like, I want the best for the both of them. I don't know. I'm like very much team early in Desiree. Yeah. But ever yeah. since you said that earlier about her hiding him, oh. I haven't looked at it the same. I know. That's why, like, I think I'm just like an early stan. And yeah, Desiree, I, like I just feel like. Like he just has such a such a good heart. Like he could have easily. So Sam hired early to track down Desiree, and and that's how they reunite. Yeah, but he could have very easily just been like Sam. I found your found your girl. Um, and girl. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) and come get her. You know she's in Mallard. Um. But instead, he kind of, you know, he saw the bruises and stuff on her and decided to help her instead of help him. So he's definitely very selfless. He's just very, just, I feel like he he has a big heart. He doesn't want to show it. And he's scared. He's scared of commitment. Maybe that's why I like early. Because he's like, I will never get married, but also. He'd do anything for her. You're the only woman I'll ever love. And that go early. Protect your protect yourself like that. <laughs> Get you a man that loves you like early. <laughs> um but I think going into part two, we kind of see Desiree emerge from being dependent on uh Stella, especially when they were like growing up, she kind of looked up not even looked up to her well I mean yeah in a way because I think one like Desiree was saying that sometimes she would pretend to be Stella just like smart rational and just overall cautious so going into part two I think we kind of see her emerge from those dependencies but I think we also see um her fall into those being dependent with early because I don't know why she never left Mallard. Like, 18 years. Or not 18. When did they get there? When she was, like, 5 or 6, Jude? Yeah. And then when she graduated, like, 12 years, you were there. And, like, why? Because you kept telling, like, you weren't, you, you weren't supposed to stay. I feel like it, it. she went out. Like, she was the uppity one to leave. She went out got her like she realized like okay the world is not what I thought it was going to be and now I'm never leaving again yeah and like for Jude it was a terrible awful experience but like 
you know, she was, she went, like, Desiree went through real trauma. And so it might have been selfish, but at least for the most part, they were safe. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was sucked. Like, you know, now Jude has thick skin. No one can tell her nothing because she's been told it all before. And, like, mm-hmm. barely in California, they don't care. So, yeah, when she leaves, they don't care. But that is a conversation for part two. Woo, I, really- loved, I loved part two so freaking much. So did that. That's, see, that's when it started to pick up for me. And that's when I like kept reading into part oh, yeah. three already a little bit. Because I was like, part oh my gosh. One was kind of depressing me. It was dragging. It, was, it took a was, minute to pick up. It did. Yeah. So I was like, do y'all want to read this? <laughs> part two really like just ugh, keeps just keeps you so entertained but um yeah so you just always it's i feel like i'm not a twin but i feel like i would personally hate to be a twin just because i, I would love to have a twin everyone just expects you guys to be one all the time and i feel like stella I feel like Stella worked so hard to separate herself from Desiree and had to leave Desiree behind because she was so tired of being overshadowed. And yeah. Desiree was not Desiree's not a great leader. I feel like we we're seeing that now she doesn't she doesn't have cohesive and coherent plans. She kind of just goes with the flow until she can't take it anymore mm-hmm. and then she runs away. Mm-hmm. Um and so Stella never could be Stella. Like, people knew Stella, but they knew Desiree more. And, oh, Desiree's going to leave this town. Oh, Desiree's going to do that. And it's like, you know, what does Stella want for Stella? And so they – and you just have to break away. Mm -hmm. And not everyone assume that, oh, we're going to do everything together because we're twins. And it just makes us so easy. Like, that's your, like, life. Like, I would hate to have someone who – or, like, have to feel like, oh, me and this person are supposed to do life together forever and ever because we're just, we're twins. Like, you guys are normal siblings. Like, you can separate and do your own things. Yeah. Especially, like, I feel like if you do, like, if you are a twin, I'm not a twin. But I feel like if I did have a twin, I would be very dependent on, like, I would just, not even, you like, just, people would think that me and my twin had to do everything the same but like I like that would be internalized within me exactly yeah situation anxiety and be like no twin and I feel like that's what like of course Desiree cares like oh we're Stella she's my sister but like even the mom in a sense has let it go because they both left her and imagine if your mom has let it go yeah (laughs) you as your sibling Mm-hmm. so and so but Desiree depends on Stella to like have her back and be her rock and be everything but Stella was like no get off me Yeah, I gotta go be who I want to be and mm-hmm. she and I feel like she knows she couldn't have taken Desiree with her because Desiree would have just blown everything oh my god Desiree would have um, she would not I don't think Desiree could last in a white man's world <laughs> in like five seconds Desiree would have been like I'm out this bitch <laughs> Um, but yeah, so in part two, one of my favorite parts of this book is that it really, the timelines, okay, so it basically follows, I think, I've only read parts one and part two, 
Mm-hmm. So it basically has like the f- part one is like 1968 and then part two, it, what year is it? Like 1980s? 78? Like, it's, se- it's 70 something. Let yeah. me go double check. Um, uh, and it follows yeah. part one follows like Desiree, Stella, Early, Mallard, and over there um, in the south. And then part two focuses on Jude um, and her college experience in California. Um, so part two, wait, Jude goes to UCLA on a track scholarship. Um, good for her. Good for her. Um, very proud of her. And as her story develops, we learn a lot about how it is to grow up as you know, being dark skinned in a town like Mallard, which we learned through Stella's and um, Desiree's perspective, but we never quite knew the other end of that. So I really appreciated that. Um, yeah, it's like. It's good to hear because essentially I feel like the move, it's so good to hear part two about how, because more than anyone, colorism in the town was projected onto Jude because it was one thing where to be interned, like, you know, like, oh, oh, yay, 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 we're all light skin. But now with Jude in the town, she's the one who like the hatred and yeah. mm-hmm. the prejudice was directed towards. So I'm looking forward to discussing that more um, and has how she finds her identity. Because I feel like Jude spent so much time being bullied about her skin. All, she, all everyone, all, all they knew about her is like, oh, she's dark skin and she can run. And I feel like that's all she knew about herself at this point. Mm-hmm. And then we find she becomes herself. And like, how does that impact a child growing up in that type of community so i'm so excited this book is really great um if y'all ever get the chance to read it read along with us yeah interact discuss (laughs) caitlin's like (laughs) (laughs) but um so excited good talk so far I really like this one's like a little serious read, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of Happy Family was definitely very like, oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> and then this is like colorism. Yeah, this one's like sit yourself down and listen. You know, we need to do that. It's Black History Month. Like, we need to tell, tell Black it. stories. And this exactly. is such a great story. This covers so many topics yeah african-american literature is like one of my favorite just things to read because i will never know what it's like and i just try to do my best to just be just educate myself and and honestly that is all that the community asks you don't have to try to fit in you don't have to try to be an expert but just know and be aware just ask for your awareness I love empathy. I just like yeah. it. So. so we talk about part two next 
yes so join us next time next episode Um, yes tony has already read part two tony said the preview for part two is part two goes crazy (laughs) (laughs) i was on the edge of my seat so (laughs) y'all better read along I I sat up in my bed during part two. I was on the edge of my seat. I just sat up a little higher. Like, I was about to fall asleep, but then I sat up. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> All right, y'all. All right. So thank you for listening to The Book Talk. Um, be sure to follow us on Instagram just to stay connected. Um, and bye. 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 <laughs>